Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. We're in this series, um, Say What? Can you say what? <laughs> and uh, this morning I'm going to be talking about words that destroy, but I'm not going to be talking as much about the actual words that we say, but really about the heart and uh, the principles behind some of the words that we say that cause destructions. Um, our words reflect our heart, and we've talked about this the last few weeks, that our words reflect our heart, but our words also expose our character. And so that's really kind of the direction I'll be talking about uh, this morning. And if you would, go to, turn to Proverbs 18, 21. This is our core scripture for this series. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So we choose the words that we're going to speak. Are we speaking words of life? Are we speaking words of blessing? I love the last song that we sang, The Blessing. That's a great blessing that we can sing over ourselves and one another. And you know that at the end of the service, we either sing the blessing over ourselves or, or we speak the blessing. And so it's a reminder that God is for us. God is with us. God has a great purpose and plan for our lives. And we don't have to navigate through the challenges of life on our own. But He is with us. He, is, he goes before us and behind us and beside us. When we have this relationship with Him and as we yield to Him. So it's important that we're speaking the words of life and blessings over ourselves, over our family, over our children, over our marriages, over one another. Let's look at Proverbs 13.3. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. So what, again, what are the words that we're speaking for? Are we speaking life and blessings over one another? What's coming from our heart? Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. <laughs> have you ever done that? Have you been having a conversation and then you say something that's like dumping a bucket of cold water on the situation or on the person? So the words that we say can, they do have an effect. It's not only can, they can, but they do have an effect. I remember there's an elder at our home church in Corpus Christi. His name is Brother Henry. And... He doesn't say a whole lot, but you'll be talking to him and he'll just be kind of shaking his head and he'll sit there for a moment and then he'll say something and it's like an oracle of God coming out of his mouth. It's like he is saying something from the heart of God, from the throne of God because he's stopping and he's thinking and, and I know that he's just praying. He's like, Lord, how do you want me to respond to this? What do you want me to say? And there are times when he doesn't say anything. And <laughs> that's probably a good lesson for us. Sometimes uh, opening our mouth can ruin everything. I know that we've all said foolish things. Um, I know that we said, sometimes we've said things in a joking manner, not intending to say something foolish, but sometimes we just probably need to stop and think before we say anything. Because uh, a lot of times... Uh, we'll say something, and then we'll be going, oh, why did I say that? You know, there's a proverb, too, that says, even a fool is considered wise when he keeps his mouth shut. <laughs> so, uh, but I want to go to Ephesians 2, chapter 2, 8 through 10. I know this is a familiar passage of Scripture, but I want to look at the end of this passage. But it's a good reminder. 
And this is a great scripture to memorize, by the way, because we can, we can share the hope. I mean, this is kind of capsule, capsulizes the gospel in this one scripture here, this set of scriptures. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. God's salvation is a gift. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, like so many people may think. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Because we can't say, oh, well, I earned my salvation because I'm such a good person, or I did all these wonderful things. For we are God's masterpiece. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're God's masterpiece. <laughs> he has created us new, the word says anew, in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So he's, when we come to, into this relationship with Jesus, he makes us new. He's, he's removing the old and he's imparting something new in us. The old self is gone. And so uh, our, our life in Christ should reflect changes in our perspective. Because we're not thinking only about ourselves now. And what's, what we want, but we're saying, God, what do you want for me in my life? What do you want in this situation? So a life in Christ will cause there to be a change in our perspective. A life in Christ will change our speech as, as God begins this transformation process in our hearts and lives. A life in Christ changes our life and our lifestyles. Because we are now connecting with him and he's saying, hey, remember the things that you used to do? You're made new. So those old things, you don't need to be caught up in that stuff anymore because I've done and I'm doing something new in your heart and your life. And it's not by self-grit. It's not by forcing it. It's not by our self-will. It's not by striving. It's not by trying to make it happen. It's simply through this relationship that we have with Christ when we yield to Him and allow Him to do His transformation process in our hearts and lives. That's where the change happens. Because if you could have changed yourself, you probably would have, right? And so it's, it's the Lord working in our hearts and lives, and He makes us new. The Holy Spirit, the Lord empowers us to do the good things that He planned for us long ago. He's planned some great things for us, but we need to be connected to him. We need to be led by him, but he empowers us to do those things. When we are saved, we are made new, and there should be evidence of change in our life. If there's not any change in our life, I have to wonder if we've really connected with him. Because when we connect with him, he will begin to change our heart and life. And again, hear me, this is not about performing this is not a performance grace, uh, performance salvation. It is grace-based salvation. It's His grace. Um, I want to go a little bit different direction here. Uh, nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing can separate us from God's love. However, sin can drive a wedge into our relationship with God. Imagine that your child disobeys. Do you stop loving them? No, you don't stop loving them. But it may drive a wedge in that relationship for a season. There may be consequences. If you tell them not to do something and they do something, there may be consequences for them and for you and for the relationship. Let's go to Romans 8, 38 and 39. 
And Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, I think he knew what he was talking about when he was talking to the, the early church here. He says, and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. How many people do you know that worry all the time? Let's, let's look at 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us what? A spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. So God has not called us to live in fear. He's not given us a spirit of fear. If you think about the scripture, fear is a spirit that the enemy will put on us. That we may put on ourselves. Why? Because we're not trusting in God. Maybe we're trusting in ourselves. Maybe we're trusting in something else that has let us down time after time. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and self-discipline. So that's what we need to walk in. Let's go back to Romans 8. 38 continues, talking about nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I think it's clear that nothing can separate us from God's love. However, sin can hinder what God is doing in our lives. It can cause a division or it can drive a wedge between this relationship with Him and with others. Think about if a, if a man goes and has an affair on his, on his wife. That's going to hinder his relationship with the Lord, but also his wife as well, right? And so sin has an effect on us, and not only on us, but on other people as well. Sin affects the anointing and the power of the ministry that God is wanting to pour through your life. Think about how that uh, somebody, well, let me say it this way. I know people that are, that are very anointed and very powerful in the Lord. But they have a very good relationship with the Lord. They're not perfect, okay? Nobody's perfect. But when we turn away from God, sin means to miss the mark. One of the definitions of sin is to miss the mark like an archer shooting at a target. When we miss the mark, we're missing God's heart. And we can begin to go off path and not walk in the full anointing and blessings and power that God wants to do through our lives because He... He wants, he wants to work through our lives because He loves people. And if people are hurting people, do you think God's going to continue to anoint that and bless that? So, uh, again, I want to talk about not just the words that we say, but some of the principles and characteristics behind the things that we say. And the first thing I want to talk about this morning is lying. I know people that would boldly declare that they are Christian. They would boldly say, I'm a follower of Christ, but yet are very, very skilled in lying and deceptiveness. God's character is truth. God is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He not only shares truth, he is truth. And so when we're walking with the Lord, we should be reflecting His character. Again, I'm not talking about never making a mistake or anything like that, but we should be operating in the character of God. We should be telling the truth. We should be speaking the truth. And if someone is saying that they're a Christian and they're a, a chronic liar and, and, and intentionally deceptive, I have to wonder about their relationship with the Lord. 
let's look at what Jesus tells the Pharisees. He's, he's talking to them about who their real father is. Let's look at John chapter 8, verses 42 through 44. Jesus tells them, or told them, If God were your father, you would love me because I, come, because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. So Jesus is trying to explain to these religious leaders who should have recognized Jesus as the Messiah. He's, he's saying that if, if God were your father, if you really had this relationship with the Lord that you're supposed to have and that you claim to have, you would, you would know who I am. And you would know that God sent me. The, the prophets had spoken hundreds and thousands of years about Jesus coming. And yet these who had studied scripture, the scholars and the religious leaders missed him because of their hardened hearts, I believe. But let me read on here. John 8, 43. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. Now, he's not talking about that they can't hear his voice and the words. He's saying you can't hear me because your hearts are hardened. You cannot even hear me. For you are the children of your father the devil, and you love to do the evil things that he does. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago where Jesus healed a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. And they wanted to kill him. They began to plot how they could kill him. And he said, wait a minute, if you had a sheep that fell in a ditch, you would pull him out on the Sabbath? Is it wrong to do good on the Sabbath? That the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so as he healed this man's hand, they begin to plot how to kill him. And so he's saying, you guys are evil. Your father is not God. Your father is the devil. And, and he, he goes on to say, he was, talking of Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He is the father of lies. And, you know, I, I, I'll tell you that people that lie, I can't stand it. You know, I, I, I thought about it, I can't stand people that lie, but that may be true. But I, I don't like it when people lie. That, that's the point, you know. The, the people that lie, I mean, that's that just, I don't know. But it's consistent with the enemy because he is the father of lies. So, my first point is our words reflect our heart, which exposes our character, right? Our words that are coming from our mouth are a reflection of what's in our heart, but they expose our character. My second point is people that are liar, liars are exhibiting, exhibiting the character of Satan, not the character of the Lord. And again, I've, I've known some very skilled liars, people that are very, not only liars, but very deceptive. And I think this is something that the Lord showed me this week, that lying is a spiritual characteristic that is not only ungodly, but is evil. Because it doesn't, anything that is not reflecting the heart of God is not godly. Anything that is hurting people is not the heart of God. God cares for people. He is for us. He's not against us. He loves us. What did we just read in Ephesians 2? We are his masterpiece. So if you had a masterpiece and somebody came along with a, a utility knife and, and tried to cut it, you'd say, whoa, 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 hey, stop, wait. 
That's my masterpiece. Don't mess with that. And we are much more valuable than a painting or something materialistic. We are God's masterpiece. And so He doesn't want us hurting one another. He doesn't want us hurting ourselves. So lying is a spiritual characteristic that is not only ungodly, but evil. Lying separates us from God, separates us from each other. Lying hurts our relationship with God and people. But you know, sometimes the enemy will use people to draw individuals away from God and hurt people. You know, John 10.10, 10, another favorite scripture. Jesus said the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you would have abundant life. And so I was thinking about lying. I was thinking about deceit. I was thinking about in James chapter 1 where, where he writes that sin, when sin, lead, when sin comes to fruition, it leads to death. And you can go back and read in John, uh, James chapter 1 later. But he talks about sin. That he says, let no one say they're tempted by God to sin. We're tempted when our own evil desires come to fruition and when sin comes to fruition it leads to death so it's a progressive thing so I was thinking about that I was thinking about how what is the progression of lying it's deceitfulness because I think that there's a difference there deceit is a refined extension of lying because it's one thing to lie but I think it's even more well an extension or or uh, even uh, a deeper level of lying is deceit. Um, there was a, there's a man, and I, I won't even call him a pastor, but there's a man that we know that uh, was caught up in some lifestyles numerous times, and the leadership of the church came to him, and they said uh, he was caught up in some sexual immorality lifestyles and things, and, and they said, okay, we want you to put a, uh, a software on your computer so that if you go to inappropriate websites or something like that, uh, there's a tracking and, you know, it's supposed to alarm somebody or let somebody know or whatever. So uh, they, they went and asked him, I said, did you put the software on your computer? And he said, yeah. Well, they had the insight to ask, well, have you activated it? No. So, you know, that's a level of deception. He, he could say, well, I didn't lie. And, and so, I think that, why do people lie? Why, why do people lie? Well, I think it could be a number of things. I think it's because of their insecurity, right? Uh, well, I want to be liked. I want to be thought of more highly, maybe, than what people would think about me if I told them the truth. Or it could be a pride thing. It, it could be, I don't know, it could be a number of different things, I guess. But it's, lying is not good. And, you know, here's the thing, that... God knows, why don't, why don't we just be transparent and honest with Him? And the thing that happens with liars, too, I believe, is they, the worst thing is they begin to lie to themselves. And then they can begin to justify and validate and rationalize why they're lying. Oh, well, you know, I did this because of this. And, and where does it end? And, and then I think that leads to deceptiveness where they are, they're probably the ones that are the most deceived. You know, and, and so they're trapping themselves in bondage. And I can't imagine what it would be like to, to live the life of a liar because you have to remember everything that you said so that you can continue to lie. Why not just be truthful and be free of all that? 
And so there's, there's a biblical principle here that is behind lying and deceptive and deceptiveness. And what it is, it's a, it's a character issue. It's a heart issue. We talk about the heart all the time. It's a matter of the heart. And you reap what you sow. That's, a, that's another spiritual principle. If you plant corn, you get corn. You don't get green beans. <laughs> So there are detrimental effects of our words and our actions because out of the abundance of our heart, the scripture says out of the abundance of the heart does the mouth speak. So that's a reflection of what's in our heart. That's a reflection of our character. So lying is one thing that, that I wanted to talk about this morning that we stop that. And if, if you have a habit of lying, then just submit that to the Lord and say, Lord, help me. Maybe you need to have somebody help you be accountable. Another thing that uh, is, a, is an effect of our words are sowing discord. We're not going to go there, but Proverbs 6.19 says, One of the things the Lord hates is a person that sows discord in, our, in a family. And I can think back to situations that I know of where people have sowed discord. They've caused dissension and division. And maybe you have family, family members or maybe you know people that do that and it just stirs things up. We create a lot of problems with our words. If we would keep our mouth shut or if we would be speaking life and blessings, and I'm not saying that we never have a truth-telling session and that we never say anything that, that needs to be addressed, but I'm saying what are we speaking from our mouth? Proverbs 6, 12 through 15 what are worthless and wicked people like? They are constant liars. Verse 13, signaling their deceit with a wink of an eye, a nudge of, a, of the foot, or the wiggle of a finger. Okay, see, I, I think it begins with lying. That opens up a door. As we begin to get comfortable with lying, and as we begin to lie to ourselves, as we begin to deceive ourselves, then we can begin to deceive other people. Signaling deceit with a wink of an eye or the nudge of a foot. No, no. You, maybe you've done this or you've seen somebody and they're like, no, no, don't say it. Or no, no, don't say anything. <laughs> I'll just move on. Uh, their perverted hearts plot evil. Their, their perverted tongue plots evil. No, their perverted heart plots evil. Their per perverted hearts plot evil, and they are constantly stirring up trouble. But they will be destroyed suddenly, broken in an instant beyond all hope of healing. That's an interesting passage there, right? All hope of healing. Well, what does that mean? God can't heal them? Yes, God can heal them. But as we begin to lie, as we begin to build these fortresses around our hearts, our hearts get hard. And, and God, you know, we won't yield to the Lord. We have a hardened heart. And so I think that's why the writer here is saying, but they will be destroyed suddenly, broken in an instant beyond all hope of healing because their hearts are hardened. Not because God can't heal them, but, but because they have become so deceived themselves that they have so walled their hearts off that they're beyond being healed because of their resistance to the Lord. Jesus can heal the brokenhearted to give us abundant life. However, Satan, like John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, Satan has come to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. 
And if he can destroy us from the inside, if he can cause us to lie to ourselves, if he can cause us to be deceived about who Christ is, about what Christ has done for us, oh, the Lord can never forgive you for that. And people buy that. They take it hook, line, and sinker. But that's not what God's Word says. And so this lying and deceptiveness and dissension is a problem for people. We can sow discord and dissension and division by the words we speak. And again, you think about it, how, how do most arguments and, and a lot of the problems start? Because if somebody mouths off, right? Or somebody says something, it's the words that we speak many times that create the problem. So we can sow discord with the words we speak. Sometimes we can contribute to the restoration by the words we do speak, too. I'm sorry can do a lot to bring restoration. Do you know how many conflicts and, and how many uh, marriages and, and things could be restored if somebody just humbled himself and said, I'm sorry? <laughs> Think of how many uh, murders would be prevented if somebody just said, hey, I'm sorry. You know, that rarely is one person ever 100% right or wrong. Okay, but can we humble ourselves? Can we say, look, this relationship is more valuable than this division that we have between us. And maybe, you know, people that family members that haven't spoken for decades. And many times it's a result of one conversation. Well, I remember when they said this about me or they said this to me. And so relationships can be damaged for decades. Somebody has some sense. Somebody humble themselves and say, you know what? I, I forgive you for what you've said and what you've done. Will you forgive me? Because I'm sure I've, I've done some things too. Can we restore this relationship? Because God's heart is for us to have a relationship with Him and one another. God's, God's love is there for us. If we will receive it, if we will yield to Him, and allow Him to work through our lives. We may want to encourage someone that's offended and say, look, go read Matthew 18. Matthew 18 says, if you've got a problem with someone, go talk to them. Go tell them about it. I don't want to hear about it. Because your problem's not with me, your problem's with them. And that's what Matthew 18 talks about. What if we did that? What if in, instead of going and talking to everybody else about what this person did, we went and talked to them and said, look, I want to be honest with you. I've got a problem. And let's work it out. I care enough about you. This relationship is valuable. And let's, let's talk this thing out. And so you can do that too. When somebody comes to you and said, oh, wait a minute, your problem is with them. Go talk to them. I don't want to hear it. You need to go talk to them. I'm not going to be your trash can. So you can dump your stuff in me. I remember there was some ladies that I worked with one time. And they were constantly gossiping and stirring things up. And I remember going into the lunchroom, the break room one day to sit down to have lunch. And they were, you know, going back and forth. And one of them looked at me and said, oh, you, you probably just have something positive to say. Oh, yeah. Well, go ahead, shoot me. You know, I don't know. <laughs> but, but we can have an influence and an impact by our words 
And not only our words, but our perspective and our actions and the love that we share with one another. Our words reflect our heart, which exposes our character. People that are liars are exhibiting the character of Satan and not the Lord. My third point this morning is don't gossip. Just stop it. And, and I really want to talk about two different principles or two different words here, gossip and tailbearing. Uh, so we've talked about lying. We've talked about sowing discord. And now I want to talk about gossip and tailbearing. Gossip is one definition is spreading intimate or private rumors or facts. Spreading intimate or private rumors or facts. Proverbs 20, 19 says, a gossip goes around telling secrets. So don't hang around with chatterers. Maybe we need to look at who we're hanging around with. Maybe we need to hold one another accountable, especially if we're Christians. Tailbearing is a person who maliciously gossips or breaks confidence by revealing secrets. And, you know, people do that in the church sometimes. Hey, would, would you pray with me about Ralph? Yeah, yeah, let's pray. Lord God, we lift up Ralph to you. We thank you for him. We pray that you would heal him, Lord God. And that you would forgive him when he got drunk and he crashed the car. And then he left the scene of the accident, Lord God, because he had his mistress in the car with him. And Lord God, we lift up Ralph to you today because, well, you know, he's in jail right now because he drove to Dallas and sold drugs. And Lord God, we ask that you would help his children who, who just broke into the neighbor's house and stole a bunch of stuff, Lord God. We lift up Ralph to you because we care about him. You'll be going, oh, wow, I didn't know that. And then there'll be people that say, hey, we need to pray for Ralph. Lord God, we lift up Ralph to you for all the affairs he's having. And he, he had a, a affair with, you know. And so what are we doing? What are we doing? We're spreading gossip. So if somebody comes to you and says, we need to pray about Ralph or pray for Ralph, will you join me? And they begin, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, let, God knows. I don't need to know his, his mess, Okay. And we don't need to be spreading that kind of stuff. But that kind of thing can happen in the church. And a better approach would be, let's just pray for Ralph. God knows what Ralph is doing. God knows. We don't have to share all of Ralph's dirty laundry. Proverbs 11, and if your name is Ralph, I'll just use that. (laughs) You know, whenever I'm going to use an example, I think of a name that is not anybody that I know of that's going to church. You may be watching online. Ralph, if, if that's you, I don't know. Um, so I intentionally try to pick names that is not going to be personal to anybody here. Uh, Proverbs eleven thirteen, A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Life fellowship is a safe place. We have a prayer line. And so we want you to call. We want you to get prayer, but we're not going to post your prayer requests and what's going on with you all over the internet. It's confidential. So when, uh, after service, if you go outside and pray with somebody on the prayer team, that's confidential because we want to pray with you and we want you to know that this is a safe place. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Interesting. Pray for one another. Confess your sins so that you may be healed. So there's a correlation there between confessing our sins, getting this stuff off of us and out of us, 
and God being able to, to heal us. We should trust one another to be able to share honestly so that we can pray for each other. So we have these relationships of transparency and honesty and authenticity so we can pray for one another because we all need prayer. How does, how does this happen? Well, it happens because we have relationships with one another. And so that's why we, you know, we have some of our, our life groups because we can come together and we can build relationships we can do life together. We can walk through life together. And in August, we'll be kicking off some more life groups. And so if you're not in a life group, I want you to join one of those. If you are, uh, we'll, we'll be setting up uh, some tables and, you know, we'll be showing you the different life groups that are going to be available. So uh, be considering that now, and that'll be in August. But God wants us to have a relationship with Him, obviously. But he also wants us to have authentic relationships with one another. We need one another. We need each other. And God has given us relationships so that we can walk through life together, so that we can encourage one another, so that we can speak life. We can speak blessings over one another. We can bring encouragement. We all need encouragement sometimes. And so we do this partially through developing a real and, and trusting relationship with one another. But more importantly, we need to be real with him. It's not like he doesn't know. James 5.16 continues, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. When you have people praying with you and, and praying for you that are righteous, we're made righteous through the blood of Christ, right? That have this relationship that are not separated by sin in their life, but are connected to the Lord, that are hearing from the Holy Spirit, the prayer of a righteous person does much, does much good. It, it has great power and produces wonderful results. There are people that I know that are, are powerful in the Lord. And, and when I want somebody praying for me, I want somebody like that praying for me. I want somebody praying for me that has a, a deep relationship with the Lord, that is sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is saying. Prayer is powerful and we all need it. Some people may not be comfortable because their confidentiality has been breached or violated or spread all over the church. Maybe you've experienced that. That's horrible. That should not be. That's not God's heart. And so Life Fellowship, again, is a safe place I had, I had a, a phone call this past week from a person that I don't know. And somebody told her about Life Fellowship. And, and they were dealing with some, some serious issues. And I thanked them. I said, I want to thank you for picking up the phone and calling. I want to thank you for trusting me enough to share this intimate stuff that's going on in your life with me, a stranger you don't even know. Thank you for that. And so we have the opportunity to help one another but we need to understand the responsibility that we have when someone shares someone, something with us in confidence. Now, there are times when, and I've told the prayer team, if uh, um, someone comes to you and says, well, I'm going to tell you something, but you can't tell the pastor. You need to stop. And you need to say, wait. Pastor Mark and Pastor Christina are covering, and if there's something going on here, we may need to tell them. 
And if, if, if that's not agreeable with you, then stop. Because we, I am accountable for you guys. And there are times when I need to know something that's going on so I can pray for you. And if you don't trust me, then you shouldn't be in the church, first of all. But there should be a level of confidence and trust in the leadership of this church. But I want you to know that this is a safe place and your prayer requests are kept confidential. There are times when people need prayer and they won't ask anybody to to pray with them. The prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. There is great power in prayer. So let's, let's pray for one another. Prayer requests, uh, you can send them uh, by voicemail or text to 832-864-2802. And again, my, our three points this morning are, our words reflect our heart, which exposes our character. People that are liars are exhibiting the character of Satan, not the character of the Lord. And don't gossip. And over the past few weeks, I've given us a couple of challenges. One is let's hold one another accountable in speaking kindly to and about one another. And so if you hear somebody speaking something unkind to someone or about someone, just say you're busted. Busted. Let's hold one another accountable. We can do that in a fine manner. But listen, it's serious. The words that we're speaking over one another, there's life. We can speak life or death, blessings or curses. And then the other challenge is uh, something I I shared last week, I think. Let's identify at least one person each day of the week and speak life and encouragement over them. Maybe just pick up the phone. Just allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you. Maybe you just send them a text. Hey, just thinking about you, love you, want to encourage you, hope you're having a great day. Whatever the Lord places on your heart. Because our words matter. Our heart matters. The character of our life is a reflection of what's in our heart. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here this morning and God is speaking to you. Maybe you had a relationship with him at one point in time and you've walked away or maybe you've never had a relationship with him. If that's you and you want to reconnect with him or connect with him this morning, if you'd just lift up your head and catch my eyes. Anybody here this morning? Anyone else? Anyone else? Okay. I'd like for you to just pray this prayer. If you just repeat this prayer after me, just, just say, Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. And I thank you for this new beginning. I thank you for this new day. And I receive you now as Lord and Savior. And I ask you to help me to receive the fullness of what you're doing and and what you're going to do in my heart and in my life. I want to pray one more prayer for you, those that prayed that prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just pour over them in a fresh new way, Lord God, that they would have a sensitivity to your voice and to you that they've never had before. As they read the Bible, your words would come alive. As they spend time in prayer, they would get familiar with that small, still voice that's speaking to their hearts. And Lord God, that you would just 
begin this transformation process in their heart and life and that you would help them in their struggles and their challenges. I pray that for all of us, Lord God, and that we would speak your words, what your word says about us, that we are your masterpiece and that you are for us, you're not against us. Not only would we speak those things, but those things would be cemented in our heart and that would become part of our character that we know how much you love us. So we thank you for this and we pray these prayers with great expectation. In Jesus' name. We hope today's message encouraged you. For more information about our church, please visit our website, lifefellowship.me. We invite you to join us again next week for another life-changing, uplifting message. And remember to live it.